0: Hi everyone, this is Emma, and this is Anna. We're assistant psychologists from Barnet Integrated Clinical Service and welcome back to Staying Well in Barnet, a series of podcasts where practitioners from the team talk about looking after ourselves and our well-being whilst we continue to adapt to our new way of living in response to COVID-19. Remember, you can visit our website at barnet.gov.uk forward slash back to school and coronavirus and COVID-19 latest information and advice. It was World Mental Health Day in October, which had a focus on suicide prevention, and it got us both thinking about what mental health and well-being means to us personally. So this week, we'll just be chatting to each other about our reflections on what well-being means to us and how it's changed throughout our lives. As well as the in the current time with the second fall lockdown now coming to an end. So Anna, what did mental health and well-being look like to you as a child? Mm, I think that's a really interesting question. And I think if I'd been asked
1: it as a child, I would have said something like being really happy. Um perhaps I wouldn't have necessarily thought about the fact that well-being doesn't mean being happy all the time, but it's more about kind of managing challenges that happen throughout our day-to-day in our lives. Um, yeah, I personally think that when I was a child, I more intuitively engaged in self-care and kind of looking after my mental well-being without realising. So I was quite active. Um, being at school kind of allowed me to socialise more easily with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I had hobbies that allowed me to kind of learn new skills and feel challenged. And I think when you get a bit older, there's there's that tension at wanting to fit in, which can sometimes be a detriment to your well being. So, kind of thinking back to childhood, um, there are a few challenges like, kind of going along with a plan with your friends when perhaps you weren't feeling a hundred percent comfortable with it, or feeling stressed like you have to present a certain way on social media, or. Perhaps pressures around giving up hobbies or hiding hobbies because they're not considered cool, and um, so I feel like looking back, teenage years were really crucial to me actually at navigating all of this. Um, what what about you? Kind of what what
0: did well being look like to you as a child? Um. So for me, I think when I was younger, I thought being healthy was all about not being physically sick. Mm, yeah. Um. So. My mum making me eat loads of fruits and vegetables, doing games and PE at school, um, avoiding catching colds and flus and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of emotional well-being, I thought happiness was kind of the only desirable state. And I think I agree with what you said earlier about children being more intuitive about self-care. I think that children are very motivated to pretty much just look at what makes them happy and yeah. and do what makes them happy um and especially if you think about when we're babies like if we're hungry we cry until we get what we want because it makes us happy yeah <laughs> um so yeah as a child having play dates to my friends watching cartoons eating ice cream all of those things I knew that they made me happy but I never saw them as self-care or things that I actively chose to do to improve my mental state mm-hmm. um and as a teenager similar to you um I think being on the cusp of the internet age, where I didn't have things like WhatsApp, Instagram or Facebook um, until I was a bit older. Um, and when I compare it to my sister, who's six years younger, she had those those apps at a much younger age, and I think it definitely affected her um, detrimentally. So I feel like I didn't have a lot of the same pressures as the younger generation in terms of whose photo has the most likes and who has the most friends on Facebook um, mm, yeah. and things like that.
1: Yeah, that, that's so interesting and I, I definitely agree uh, with that point as... Kind of when we were younger, social media wasn't so much of a thing. Um, not as many people had it, and there wasn't that pressure around. And I think that that's really important to kind of consider it in the sense that young people nowadays have that pressure. And it it doesn't mean to say that social media is all bad because there are definitely really positive aspects to it as well. But it's just about being mindful of what those both are and how kind of it affects you personally. Yeah. Um. What does mental health and well-being look like to you now? Has it changed at all?
0: Um, I think it has. I think um, we as a society are much more aware of it. Um, I think for me now, it's it's very complex. And I see it as an amalgamation of lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, like our social environment, our religion, culture, our race, um, emotions, things we've been thinking through in the past and Mm. our genetics and I but at the same time I think that um while we we are we do have a lot more access to resources and knowledge um from social media I think that well-being or self-care can feel like a bit of a buzzword Mm. at the moment so yeah while we're aware of the things that you know can make us feel better things like yoga and meditation nutrition and therapy um, a lot of the time for a lot of people we don't like they still don't understand how to put it into practice almost so they those sorts of things are still very inaccessible um, and it can be difficult to know practically like how you can actually grow to love or accept yourself because it looks so different for every person
1: mm, yeah I think that's so important to remember that we are all kind of unique people and so mental health and well-being will look different for everyone so what works for me might not work for you and I think that's a really important point um yeah I, th- I think my understanding of the kind of definition of mental health and well-being has changed from when, when I was a child but if I actually think back to what I did then which made me feel good and able to manage and what I do now it actually looks largely the same um So, for me, it's about connecting with family and friends, feeling heard, being able to kind of learn new things, share my strengths, um, and be challenged, and things like that. And I think the thing that has changed is actually the different pressures involved in managing to do all of these things so i find that now as an adult it requires more of a conscious and deliberate effort to engage in things that help me manage my mental well-being so yeah so kind of uh making sure you honor commitments in terms of seeing friends sometimes feel really difficult if you've had a really busy week at work and there's kind of lots of chores to do and you need to go shopping for example um so yeah definitely sometimes feels a bit more difficult than when when I was a child but I think it's really important to kind of notice that and not judge yourself for it
0: and just try your best. Yeah I, I completely agree with that I feel like as an adult there's so many things that we have to do um so we have to go to work we have to you know feed ourselves if we have children we have to take care of them and it's very easy to forget to do all the things that help us for our mental well-being
1: yeah definitely and sometimes you can get caught up in perhaps um thinking about other people and then kind of forgetting to care for yourself as well I was just thinking then, because you mentioned um, how technology and social media has evolved previously, and I was thinking that's another thing that I've had to kind of work on in relation to my mental health, so taking digital detoxes, like stepping away from my phone and making sure that I'm not spending all of my time kind of scrolling through apps and things like that, Um, so that's something I've definitely had to work on, whereas when I was a child it wasn't so necessary because I perhaps didn't have a phone or didn't have social media so that's definitely something that's changed Mm. and what are your thoughts in terms of how far society has come in terms of mental health and
0: understanding that um I think I think we've made some tremendous changes to the way we think about mental health and the language used to describe it so even generationally the way that um our parents would talk about mental health is very Mm. different to the way that my generation think about it yeah um, but I think that many people still struggle with feelings of shame um, and I've learned to challenge the stigma associated with it um, and try to encourage my friends and my family um, colleagues and clients to do the same mm-hmm. and I think um, for me the easiest way to do this is just to have open conversations about it um, about mental health problems in general and you know coping strategies that I've had experience with and just normalising the fact that mental health problems are experienced by millions of people around the world Mm. Um, and yeah it's not a taboo subject it's not a a topic that needs to be stigmatised it's just part of life and I think that um, just having open conversations goes a long way.
1: Mm, Yeah I, I think I agree with you there and I think that's why things like this podcast are so important to be able to have conversations about what mental health looks like to us and to actually have that time to reflect on it um because it it can look so different for for different people um but we all have mental health um and kind of mental illness and we all experience challenges and we all have different ways of managing so yeah it's really important to have those open conversations Mm. um I guess thinking back to my school curriculum, when I was at school, we we had a few lessons on topics like the effects of bullying and perhaps we had a few lessons on thinking about our values, but there wasn't so much discussion centred around mental health. So I I definitely think schools and services as a whole have come a long way in terms of prioritising that. And yeah, I think as a child and young person, I I would have loved to have the opportunity to be a part of the groups and workshops that are currently on offer at BICS. So learning about things like a recipe for healthy relationships, negotiating conflict, thinking about identity. And kind of one of my favorites um, is around learning emotion regulation strategies and actively thinking about self-care. So I guess as we approach towards the end of the podcast I think it would be great to catch up on how you've been coping Emma throughout the second lockdown. Are you able to share with us some of your tips you've been using?
0: Yeah so this lockdown has been quite difficult. I think we all knew that it was coming um, but it was just still really difficult for me this time around because I think I've been working from home, whereas in the first mm. lockdown I was able to go into work every day. Mm. So I still had that contact, uh, that face-to-face contact with people. I've, I still felt some part of normality. Mm. Um, whereas now I am working from home and then obviously entertainment and like you know gyms and everything being closed down. It has mm. been a bit of a struggle for me. I think um, the way that I've coped is by making sure that I have some sort of routine um, during the week. So still, you know, getting out of bed, having a shower, getting dressed, changing yeah. out of your pyjamas, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, while you work from home, but then also making sure that you have time outside. So going for long walks or runs or um, yeah, doing any form of exercise that you can outside is really helpful for me. Um, yeah, just making sure you get fresh air um and then also making sure that you have something to look forward to each day so whether that's um watching a TV show that you enjoy or having a phone call with a friend or um baking a cake anything that you like really just making sure you have something to look forward to every day because otherwise it can feel like one long day yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really like that actually um and was going to ask what's your uh, thing for today that you're looking forward to? Um, so I'm looking forward to having the lemon drizzle cake that's in my fridge. Very nice. (laughs) That
1: sounds amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I think I echo kind of
1: all of the things you've spoken about, so structure, getting fresh air every day, um, and, and just to add, I guess mine would be how Im- how important it is to stay connected as much as we can, so we have things like Zoom and FaceTime and WhatsApp, these, these tools that allow us to catch up with our family and friends, I think it's so important in this time where we're perhaps unable to see people face to face. So yeah, it's, it's really nice to be able to stay connected with people and kind of share how, how we're feeling and have those open conversations with people we care about. Um,
0: yeah, I agree. And I think it's just important to say that it's difficult for a lot of people. So if you are struggling, that you're not the only person struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a hard time for everybody.
1: Yeah, that's so true. It's, it's normal to feel down sometimes. We don't have to be kind of happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think to kind of finish the podcast, I'd like to share with you a technique that I sometimes use when I'm finding things a bit stressful It's called progressive muscle relaxation, and it's basically where you tense different parts of your body and then kind of release them, and it leaves you feeling more relaxed. Um, So, I'm going to guide everyone through this relaxation. So, if you find kind of a comfortable place to sit or lie down, um, and we can do this together. So, firstly, With your hands and your arms, pretend you're squeezing a whole lemon in both your hands and you squeeze it really, really hard. And you try to squeeze out all of the juice and you feel the tightness in your hands and your arms as you squeeze. And then drop the lemon and relax your hands and your arms. And you can do this a few times and hopefully after one or maybe two or three times your hands and arms are feeling a lot more relaxed and if we move on to tensing the arms and the shoulders if you pretend you're a lazy cat and you want to stretch so you stretch out your arms in front of you and then you raise them high over your head way back and you feel the pull in your shoulders and you keep stretching higher and higher as much as you can. And now just let your arms drop back to your side. Okay. And now we'll move on to our shoulder and neck. So you can pretend you're a turtle here, you can get a bit creative and you're sitting on a rock by a nice peaceful pond and you're just relaxing in the warm sun and it feels really nice and warm and safe but then you sense danger so you pull your head into your house so you lift up your shoulders to your ears and push your head down into your shoulders and you keep holding on really really tight and now you sense the danger has passed so you can come out into the warm sunshine once again you can drop your shoulders and wiggle your head about and you can keep repeating this and hopefully your shoulders and your neck will start to Feel more relaxed. Okay. So now we'll move on to our jaw. So imagine you have a giant bubble gum in your mouth and it's really hard to chew. And you're biting down on it. And you're biting really, really hard. So let your neck muscles help you. And keep biting. And now relax. And you let your jaw hang loose. And notice how good it feels just to let your jaw drop. And now we'll move on to our face and nose. So imagine in front of you that there's an old fly and he's kind of flying around in front of your face and then he lands on your nose. And wiggle your nose to try and get him off. Keep wiggling your face and wrinkling up your nose to try and move that fly off. And then you manage to chase him away so you can relax your nose. And you can keep doing this again to make your face and nose feel relaxed. And lastly, we're going to move on to our legs and our feet. So pretend that you're standing barefoot in a big muddy puddle and you're squishing your toes down deep into the mud. Try to get your feet down to the bottom of the mud puddle. Keep pushing down, spreading your toes apart and feel the mud squish up between your toes. And now try and step out of the mud puddle and relax your feet. Let your toes go loose and feel how nice it is. Feels good to be relaxed. Okay. That's the end of our progressive muscle relaxation. How was
0: that for you, Emma? That was really good. Um, I've done it before, but I, it's something that I always forget that it's really helpful for me until I do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you for that. It was really helpful. I hope everybody that listened did it as well and found it helpful. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that you can come back to if you're ever feeling stressed or a bit anxious and hopefully it'll help you feel a bit more relaxed. Brilliant,
1: yeah. So to sum up, we shared with you what mental health and well-being means to us and how this has changed over the course of our life. We also talked about how we've been coping with the second lockdown. Um, and invite you to think about the ways you've been coping as well and if you have any questions then please do let us know by contacting us on bix at barnet.gov.uk and please stay tuned as shortly there will be another episode of staying well on barnet thanks very much for listening bye, bye.